This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 37 with guest Chika Yamamoto. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to the show. Tokyo, Helsinki, London, and New York. My guest today, Chika Yamamoto, has been building her career as a product manager before founding her own company, Crosby, where she supports startup alliances between Japan and Europe. In today's episode, we take a journey into the business world of Japan. Together with Chika, we explore how a business can expand into the Japanese market and how a perfect partnership between Tokyo and Berlin looks like. Join me on this adventure with Chika Yamamoto and make sure to subscribe and rate the show on Spotify. Hello, Chika. Welcome. I haven't spoken on my podcast yet about Japan, so I'm intrigued by our conversation today and learning about your life journey. Welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Chika, what was it like for you growing up in Japan and taking on your first challenges as a product manager in Tokyo? Before, when that happened, so my first job in Japan was at a bank. And then I was working but I got super bored. <laughs> so I decided after working there for one year, I said like, okay, I want to take three weeks off to explore. So I traveled to Shanghai and Paris to meet friends. And there I met a Japanese lady who is a friend of mine and who was working there at the Mandarin Hotel as a kind of sales manager. And for me, working in abroad and landing such a position, living in a hotel in, in her case, was kind of unimaginable, you know, it's just, you know, I don't know how to imagine that kind of job exists for women, as well as without knowing that, I don't know even like how to get there. So, but there I met somebody who was on a job that, which was a kind of amazingly, it's not exactly a dream job, but kind of super inspiring, like I never imagined before. And after like staying with her in Shanghai, I was supposed to stay with another friend, but I was so super inspired. So I actually stayed with her for a whole week. So you're uh, like goodbye friends. I have yeah, more yeah, interesting yeah, person know. here. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, she, she really said, why don't you stay with me and then see what I'm doing? And she was trying to kind of let me explore her life as a you know, sales manager at the hotel. So I was really staying with her, talking a lot through whole like one week. And then eventually I was like, this is amazing, but I don't know how to do this or get there. And she was like, you know, I'm not special. You can do that too. So that actually changed my life after that. So basically she was saying, just work around and yeah. you will get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, find your like a... Uh, passion and it will start flowing. That was kind of her message. So I went back to Japan and then told my bank that, sorry, I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I looked for what would be something which is closer to my kind of dream. But I didn't have the dream job, you know, yeah, the concrete yeah. one, what I want to do. But I knew that I had passion for like new technologies and how future will bring for us. And that time I was super clear that, you know, like working in foreign environment is probably not that moonshot for me. Mm. It's something I can get there. So after a long search in like a job market and meeting different companies, I found Nokia Japan looking for product marketing kind of manager there. So that's how I got into Nokia and then started working. Was it a dream job or was it just still defining your 
dream yeah, job. Yeah, I think you're... it was still like defining. It was more like exploration. Like mm. this is the first time like I'm in proper falling environment. Also, it was in Japan, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything was you know done in English, which is quite. Different in mm-hmm. Japan. Japan is not very famous for English-speaking country. Mm-hmm. So the company like that, like all the emails, everything were English was super falling to me to start with. I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. And have you at that time ever thought that you will be coming to Europe and working for Nokia at Europe, or and later even coming to USA to develop your career further? Or was it a coincidence, or was it a conscious choice that you were making? Oh, it was super coincident. Before that, Finland was not exactly top of my mind to live yeah. in Europe. <laughs> and one of my boss at that time was in London. So I thought maybe my next step could be London. But uh, after doing my job and then everybody said, why don't you move to Helsinki? And, you know, after being in Nokia Japan for two years, I was like, okay, that sounds good choice for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of happened based on the recommendation from my colleagues in Nokia. Mm -hmm. And later came the States also, so you continued kind of the exploration. Yeah, exactly. So after living, so when I moved from Japan to Helsinki, my nature of the job also changed. When I was in Japan, I was liaison between Nokia uh, headquarters and uh, Japanese customers. And then when I moved to Europe, my job was more to work with European operators and the whole area was Middle East and Africa included. So, yeah, I started working with different customers in totally like a different kind of business environment. Nice. And then after that, I moved to London before moving to the United States and then to the States. And these steps was quite interesting because it is quite a different kind of business culture compared to Japanese companies. In Japan, for a younger employee, your manager kind of decides what's going to be your next opportunity. They will lay out a few examples probably like, okay, you're good at in this, maybe you can get a promotion in this department or you can probably go to this department to you know, learn some part of the job so that later you can become this kind of So the manager suggests, but it's not Mm -hmm. a dialogue between the report and manager. It's more like... It's kind of dialogue, but so one of the very like strong in traditional Japanese companies, uh, Japan itself, we respect age differences, even it's one year. What? <laughs> yes. So even this one, I think it is changing now, especially, and it doesn't really like that at all in startups in Japan, right. but in a traditional environment, we do respect. So we respect like managers who has been there maybe like three more years than us. They probably know more like uh, they have bigger pictures about the uh, job itself and industries so that they have better wisdom to make decisions for you too. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a subordinate or as a person who is working as a human, you can express your opinions. But they often, that's also true, that they have different options than we can imagine. You know, as a younger person, there are lots of things you don't see and then they see. So I think that's really like a great part. But also, if you say something a little bit extraordinary, they think that is a quite selfish thing. Oh. <laughs> so... It's kind of a, yeah, it really depends who you have as a boss. If you, you know, your boss is more open-minded or, you know, I know everything. So 
I'll get you there kind of, you know, it's yeah. like a kind of boss type. <laughs> yeah. And then basically there was a shock moment uh, coming to the US because it's pretty much about um, everyone kind of, there's no hierarchy, everyone is pitching their skills, yeah, exactly. what they can do, mm -hmm. and you can always challenge the status quo. Yes, it was also, this uh, happened in, you know, Nokia Helsinki as well. In the like review meeting, it was not review itself. It was more for me to propose what I want to be doing in the next you know, month, uh, six months and five years. So it took me a long time to really put myself into this mode that I really need to do lots of research to think where I can be and out of there where I want to be, you know. It took a long, long time. I, I needed to do like huge amount of hours of research, really understand if I'm missing out anything and try to really say like, okay, this is what I want to do. And, but is this really what I want to do? Sometimes I don't know that, you know, unless I do it. So, but it was really like interesting to understand, like you are responsible for your own choices as a um, professional. But at the same time, I also realized that you can negotiate a lot with your managers, which including, you know, my personal life choices and personal life choice doesn't really mix well in Japan. If you're working, you are like more workers and a personal life happens outside of work. So if uh, manager said, okay, we need people in this factory in 300 kilometers away, even you just had a baby you would need to probably go. Mm -hmm. There's no choice. You have a choice. Either you're going to take your family with, the family might be working, you know, your wife or husband might be working somewhere else. They, you can negotiate, but it is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And then I saw in like European companies like Nokia, like people are saying like, okay, you know, my girlfriend is in this country or there. So I really want to be transferred or I'm came to Japan to work and my wife needed to stop working. So mm -hmm. can she be hired in Nokia, for oh, example? Oh, even that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then when there is a fit, of course, you cannot hire any, yes. everybody. But if there is a fit, they value that first differently and how nicely it is working. So I really needed kind of those outside of box experience mm -hmm. to get there. And what was the moment when you realized that you would like to build bridges between your home country and Europe? When was that, that realization came to your mind? So after New York, we came to Berlin. Yeah. So we came to Berlin and I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And before that, I didn't know about Berlin so much. And I thought that that's going to be my kind of sabbatical year because I was pregnant. Also, like my uh, startup I was doing at the time in New York was kind of went to the company of, in Hong Kong. So I was like really like in between, like you know, everything was kind of settled to move into the new environment. And then I started working again for Nokia in Berlin, which became the company called Here Technologies right now. And then I, at the same time, I was kind of raising my children and came Berlin. So the interesting thing I realized is, so I lived in London, New York and Berlin, and those three places are quite metropolitan. And then, you know, they have huge amount of different kinds of people, so quite diverse. But... Berlin was somehow different from London and New York, which I find is quite interesting and very 
great for our children as well. That is an inclusive kind of culture. I think London is a little bit closed. It's diverse, but this is my very opinionated (laughs) comment. Mm -hmm. But in London, it's like it is diverse, but it is kind of a closed community. And then they have like, this is French community. This is more like Indian areas. And this is something else, you know, the kind of like, there are, of course, mixture of people and bubbles and things like that. But it's quite, they have their own cultures within that too. And in New York, American culture, which I also learned from my culture crash course when I moved to United States. <laughs> <laughs> so according to that, so they built American constitution based on, okay, we accept everybody. And for you to be successful or not successful, it's depending on you. So do your best. If you succeed, you are because you did it. It's not because of other people's support and so on. Although it's really needed to succeed, but it's like, you know, because of you, you succeeded. Because you didn't, you didn't succeed. It's your choice. It's the your American, effort. The American yes. dream is based on hard work. Yes, uh, exactly. And then very, you know, individual. And in Berlin, I felt that totally different. I think it's also coming from history in the recent like World War II and then after that, that Germany also still kind of carries a uh, you know, result of what happened in World War II and those discrimination and actions which was taken during that time is something Germany is trying to still work on it. And that makes this uh, culture quite different. They try to, you know, it's not only like bottom up, but it's also like top down to connect different cultures and people to work together. I don't say that there's no discrimination or anything. And then that happens every day somewhere, somehow. But as a whole group culture or, you know, society, there is like a totally different foundation to include people. I thought that was really like amazing and you know, quite different from other metropolitan diverse cities. It's not only diverse, but the culture of let's include, let's be open, let's work together and we support each other. And I felt both at work, like when I was with like startup communities, as well as, you know, different communities, as well as the private my community together with little children, I felt exactly the same. And I thought it is super important for my children to be able to grow up in this environment to really understand what diversity is, what inclusion is. And it is probably difficult to understand this when you are in Japan. Japan is still like a quite mono country. Like there are not so many foreign people to mm-hmm. start with. Mm-hmm. Some part of Tokyo, some part of these areas, yes, but diversity isn't there yet. And for that culture to reach to understand the inclusiveness is like another step. But uh-huh. do you think it's possible that people of Japan are inclusive there's just not diversity yet but for foreigners to integrate and work and live in japan it Mm -hmm. would be rather easy and they would feel included or is it not the case good question two answers Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think it is easy to feel that you are included to start with because japan is very polite when they think that you are outsiders you will be treated much better because Mm -hmm. they, they have to be polite once they take in then it will change. But to take in 
may happen, may not happen.、Mm-hmm. So once you are in the same like Japanese societies, and they, it's not really like a meritocracy. We check like, yeah, this is also like going to the school feedbacks. You know, in the United States, for example, they say like, oh, you are a good runner, you are good, you know, creating the great mood, and so on, so on. And they never said your mathematics sucks. But、mm-hmm. in Japan, it starts from your mathematics is like twenty percent, your English is whatever percent. So you have to improve what you're not good at.、Mm-hmm. And once you're in the culture, it becomes that way. So, so you really have to work. You will be included. So、mm-hmm. the first step is rather easy to be included,、yeah. maybe more than, for instance, in London.、Mm-hmm. But then the second step of actually integrating and yeah, becoming yeah. part of the、mm-hmm. society, it requires more work. Yes, it is. Not too bad. <laughs> it's a good start. Right. <laughs> This topic of diversity,、mm-hmm. inclusion, and integration actually inspired you to build the bridges between Japan and Europe because you thought there would be a very good exchange of knowledge. Yes. Is that a correct assumption? Yes. Exactly. Thank you for summarizing that. Actually, <laughs> yes, yes. So this actually inspires me to start really looking at Japan and how I can connect Japan and here, so that this bridge will start exchanging such cultures.、Mm-hmm. So before that, I was helping like one company to find another, you know, partner in Japan or vice versa. But with that becoming more kind of a conscious knowledge. I started to think about like how can I build ecosystem to bridge these two cultures.、Mm-hmm. So、and that that brings us to Crosby because、mm-hmm. you're a founder and managing director at Crosby, where you support startup and company alliances between Japan and Europe. Maybe you can share some of success cases and things you've been working at. Right, so Crosby helps、uh, support like cross-border market entries between Germany, not not only Germany but Europe and Japan,、mm-hmm. and we help startups to find partners in the both side. We also support big corporate to find partners.、Mm-hmm. By partners, who do you mean?、Uh, mm-hmm. Investors or for the corporates, it's more like startups. For startups, it can be VCs as well as business partners like corporates. And we also work with municipalities and the governmental agencies, and especially municipalities in Japan. For example, they would like to have more like build global bridge between Japanese municipalities and here.、Mm-hmm. So we help them to find like a good partnership in different、uh, business sectors, which matches them or another municipalities. And actually, that's vice versa from Berlin side. So that what we do. There are several great, you know, cases. For example, like some of the startups fund partners in Japan, and then Japanese companies also fund, you know, startups from Europe to help on technologies or to create better ecosystems. What is、yeah. the tendency you usually see? What does the German partners, companies, startups look for in Japan? And vice versa. What is the main trend and stronger interests for each country? Or, or I mean,、uh, in this case, would be German and Japan. Right. So I think German startups are always looking for, often, in my case, looking for business partners. So like some of the deep tech companies are looking for like deep tech, you know, manufacturers and companies in Japan. And I think Japan. Has lots of big corporate, also like Japanese corporate, but it's like Germany, like you know, 
global companies. So once you work with Japanese companies, the market is not exactly only in Japan, but the Japanese company has like a big footprint in all over the world. So yeah, the potential is quite huge. So that's what German startups are looking for. Japanese startups are looking for both fundings and uh, partnership in Europe. And what would you say is the status of startup ecosystem in Japan? Mm -hmm. What are the stronger sectors where you would say Japan is stronger than Europe? Uh, good question. When you only look at the number of investment, Japanese ecosystem was smaller than European like top ecosystems. So it is catching up in terms of numbers of startups. But some of the technologies like in deep techs and so on, are they, they have strong startups in Japan. And also they are quite interesting entertainment and VR and those startups as well. So let's say I would like to expand my business mm -hmm. and I'm offering maybe digital services and I would like to expand it to Japan. What are some underwater rocks I should know of? Obviously, the legal part of it, of setting mm -hmm. up um, business, that's clearly an effort and that probably will take some time. But what is something that you uh, or me in this case as a, as a founder of my business would not read on the internet and know of? when it comes to expanding my business to Japan? So probably two things. One is the business environment. The other one is probably the business culture. When you look at the business models or culturally how things are done, sometimes it's quite a different between Europe and Japan. Like looking at, for example, um, employment, you know, digitally, there's like a platform in Japan and then there's a platform here as well. But the purpose and value that each platform are creating and the customers are quite different. So especially for digital services, it's easy to just bring it over, but you really need to know how things are operated in Japan and if the problem you're solving is the same thing that in, exists in Japan. So the pain point might not exist in your own service. So the research is quite important. I'd say that's one thing. And then the second thing is like a business culture. For Between Germany and Japan, there are lots of similarities about what quality means and so on. So it is, for, from that point of view, quite easy to work with because when you say this is a requirement, what do you expect out of the requirement and how the product will look like? It's probably not that far apart. But difference would be that... It's gonna take quite long time to get into Japanese market because when the service is to see, then it might be different. But if it's a to be and then you need a business partner to take on your service, it takes a long time to build a relationship to with both yeah. customers and businesses or just with businesses? Businesses, yeah, mm -hmm. especially businesses. I think customer-wise, you definitely need to build it in Japanese. The language value is still quite huge. So for the uh, like consumer-facing services, you would need to build proper like Japanese structure and user interface and so on. And for the business customers, you really it, it's going to take quite a long time to build a relationship. So you have to find somebody who can refer you to build the trust between the business partner and you. And uh, yeah, Japanese corporate, 
they know that, but still they know that they are not the first penguins. Not you know, it's more like me too. So if their competitors start doing it, then they will like, okay, we have to do it now because our competitor is on it. So to open the first door is quite difficult, and yeah, you would need somebody. But at the same time, you. before we spoke that. When it comes to Japanese people,、mm-hmm. then they actually very welcoming and very easy to be joining the culture because the、mm-hmm. culture is very inclusive. But、right. the the second difficulty is the integration because there are certain cultural aspects and you have to show effort. So I thought from that initial part of our、mm-hmm. conversation that here with B two B that you actually get to easily get. Introduced to businesses because they're excited that you are、uh, a foreign business. You're bringing something new. It could be great, but then the second step. So the other way around, I thought the second step is difficult because there you have to show in-depth work and commitment. Right. So they are polite. <laughs> It's not always excited. They are quite polite. So if you ask for meeting through somebody in between, you probably get to the meeting, but doesn't need, mean that you are. In there, you know, you created a lapel with them. Doesn't mean that the door is open. Exactly. Oh, that's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so they come out of the door, and then they will treat you really politely. But and then they will go not, back and close the door. <laughs> you're not inside of the door yet. <laughs> so yeah, take the chance to keep the door open. <laughs> yeah, that's where basically I guess Chica, you come with、uh, Crosby because、mm-hmm. you're the one who actually you know pushes that door, or I mean, probably you just have the references, and then、mm-hmm. you help them. Introduce the people, right? Yes,、mm-hmm. that's yeah, what we that try to do. That point of trust and and contact. Yeah, exactly. So we have like also team in Japan, not only like in Berlin, and then they are also like you know they have the keys to the doors, some of the doors. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. Have you seen anyone doing big mistakes due to their lack of understanding of this cultural aspect, like something that you do and then you will never have that door open again for you, basically? Right, not really. Never a door opened again, but you know, lots of the misunderstanding happens. For example, in a small conversations or even like meetings, and also like when you are negotiating on terms and so on. Right in Japan, because often the people you are negotiating with coming from the big corporate, and in the big corporate, you really need to align with all the different parts of the organizations. Horizontally and vertically, and it takes quite a long time. And the person who is sitting on the table to negotiate with you has the most knowledge about the content, but doesn't have the authority to make decisions. So you're talking about you know different terms and conditions, and and you think that you know okay now we have opened up, we have rapport with this person, and we talked through everything. Okay, shall we sign it? And then the person said, Ah, I have to go back. So you might think like, Is there anything hidden that I don't understand? You know, or is everything we talked about was not correct? Or what does he need to or she needs to check、mm-hmm. with the corporate? And is this going to be? You know, turned over and so on. So, yeah, for any decisions, often it doesn't happen during the meeting, and then the person who is in the meeting need to go back, and then it may take like a week,、mm-hmm. a month to make decisions. So you just need to know that those time will really you know take, and don't lose the face. It's just a process. Good to know.、Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of learnings and. 
I actually also have noted that you are ambassador at Asia Berlin, which mm -hmm. is a startup ecosystem diplomacy that builds businesses more on governmental sides mm -hmm. between specifically government of Berlin and governments of countries in the Asia Pacific region, mm -hmm. including Japan. As ambassador, what is your role and what does Asia Berlin really stands for? Right. So my role is, so the Asia Berlin is a government initiative from Berlin Senate Department. And we have for Asian team, probably about 25 ambassadors to connect between different countries and cities. And Asia Berlin is to create the ecosystem connecting between Asia and Berlin. I think it's actually really a great strategy and a vision to, you know, from Asian countries, Europe is quite far away and it's kind of like a black box. You know, we know about, okay, when we talk about startup system, Berlin is, you know, one of the top cities and Paris and so on and so on. And probably the same from Europe. When you look at Japan or different countries in Asia, it's, we know about the country, we know about sushi and so on. We know about some of the startup scenes and GDPs and so on maybe. But when you really like look in, try to look into how it's like to work with, it's really like a black box mm -hmm. in a both way. So this team, ambassadors, will demystify and try to connect the right people in the each ecosystem so that ecosystem will become not only just, you know, point to point contact, but it becomes really like a bridge, then the village, mm -hmm. so that we can work together. And it's, it's really like a creating the, you know, community and make things start flowing. Where can we learn more about it? Because I've seen there's some news on LinkedIn usually, but mm -hmm. are there any other platforms where one can sign up for roundtables, events, mm -hmm. uh, or to find a way to contribute? Right. That's a great question. And thank you very much. I think we would love that to happen. And there's a website and then constantly we are having also uh, events connecting different cities over topics. So Great. please come to yeah, Asia Berlin website mm -hmm. and sign up for the newsletters. And uh, Chico, my last question mm -hmm. before we go into uh, wrapping up the mm -hmm. conversation. In the perfect world, what does that absolutely perfect alliance between Japan and Europe would look like? It's a great question. And that's probably part of my vision Mm -hmm. uh, why I am doing this, you know. So at the moment, Japan and, you know, company from Germany or anybody from Germany really need to look for somebody who has connection to other places. And it's still like it's a personal effort and coming through connections. Mm -hmm. But when we know how we can do that, you know, more naturally, that's going to be great. And for that... I think we have to be able to have the transparency ecosystem and it will probably take a little more time. But yeah, I think it's going to be there. And if I will be traveling to mm -hmm. Japan, yeah. where should I start? Because I'm curious to connect maybe with like-minded entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and founders. Is there a hub for also foreigners to come in and feel like home. <laughs> right. So there are different cities which offers like a global kind of connections. And especially in Tokyo, for example, there is a community called 
Venture Cafe. Mm-hmm. So Venture Cafe has about like 10,000 members and they run each Thursday called Thursday Gathering. And they have like lots of foreign communities and then some of the webinars and the events they do are in English too, to be able to connect to like-minded founders there. And also like City of Kobe, for example, they have like 500 as an uh, accelerator and mm-hmm. they also have like a connection to United Nation for like green tech, clean tech and SDG related startups. So they are also like, you know, to connect to those people and another place like Yokohama, they are building the bridge between Berlin too and uh, the driveway, which is uh, Berlin's maybe in Europe the biggest like mobility community and mm-hmm. in Berlin and it's they have the like drivery? the drivery. So mm-hmm. they have over hundred startups and then some VCs and CVCs. And I think it's the biggest, you know, successful community around mobility. And Yokohama and the drivery is having now the partnership and we have a program going on which we are running. <laughs> oh. Crosby or? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're also running programs. Yes. So, yeah, we do like a mobility program. We also did like a digital health program. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Well, that's mm-hmm. a few spots to, to note. So yeah, thank exactly. you. <laughs> last but not least, Chica, mm-hmm. time for my very last and very favorite question. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to highlight as a woman who is an author of her own achievements? It's really, really difficult question. It's like own achievements and kind of role models. I was thinking about it. It's for me, role model and achievement is not as one person, a special person, but everybody who kind of taking the challenges of their own, finding a process, you know, both at work, uh, finding the purpose both at work, society-wise and internally, you know, Mm -hmm. for yourself. And, you know, living their lives and contributing to both society and, you know, uh, well-being of yourself too. There are lots of people. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought maybe Audrey Tan is... uh, from my perspective, is a great person who is really like achieving lots of things, contributing to the world, as well as encouraging people to be there as well. So Mm -hmm. I'd say Audrey. Chica, thank you so much for your conversation, for your time today. Thank you for having me. I learned a lot and I think it was a very insightful journey we took into the world of Japan, into your journey of finding yourself and speaking up and getting outside of your comfort zone, but also how to do business in Japan, what things to consider, what not, and definitely how to, you know, open that door and walk into that open Mm. door (laughs) successfully. Many insights and learnings. Wishing you a wonderful day. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.